Well, hello! I am Matt Williams, and this is a Locked On NFL podcast. Usually we have Twitter Thursday, but now we have Mike Renner. Instead of having our usual Wednesday conversation, we're going to do it too on Thursday. Mike, what's shaking with you? We've had a Super Bowl since we got together last. How's life treating you? Not bad. Been, uh, been, uh, been glad that it's the offseason, I'll say. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. It's a little bit different. Changing gears, looking at draft, looking at free agency, and I know something you just did recently, and it's not something I've talked about on these airwaves, is potential guys that are franchise. You know, who could get franchised as contracts are expiring? What kind of list do you have? And do you think there's some that are borderline? It's a pretty good conversation this year. Yeah, I think this year, more than any, there's going to be, I think, the fewest franchise tags in recent memory. There's been at least five people uh, franchised across the league every year for the last decade or so. So mm-hmm. it's a common practice, but I just don't think there are that many this year that will end up with it. There's only two that really come to mind that are surefire franchise tag candidates, one being Demarcus Lawrence with Dallas Cowboys uh, for a lot of reasons, and the other being Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers, which is just a no-brainer at that point. What about Breeze? So Breeze's contract situation, right. he's uh, like they can't franchise take him, right? Like his contract got voided. Sure so I, I'm pretty sure. I, I think I looked it up for the art. Like his, his contract got voided, and when it's voided, you can't franchise tag that because there were still years left on it but it was like an auto uh it was like a his option to avoid it so i think he can't be franchised if i'm correct on that i'm not exactly sure i'm not positive but remember way back when he wasn't he franchised like three years in a row back when there was a rule that that was the most you could do it and i remember he was kind of an odd case many moons ago <laughs> yeah he's had a lot of weird contract things there with the saints because they they use his contract a lot of times to sort of play uh with the salary cap and you give him bonuses like seems like every year instead of uh the, the his salary to to push money down further down the road uh but I, I think they're at least in all right caps position as it stands now though the saints yeah and you agree with me that i mean it's kind of a mood conversation anyways i mean breeze yeah, and he's jimmy, going back there. Yeah, yeah breeze and jimmy aren't going anywhere yeah you didn't mention Lev Bell, and I'm here in Pittsburgh and work for Steel Nation Radio. I think he's going to get franchised. Do you disagree, or just you think he's just not going anywhere? What's your I thoughts do. on Bell? I, I do think he gets franchised when it's all said and done, but the only thing is the price tag there is crazy. pretty crazy. I think it's like $14.5 million, which is just a lot of money to give to a running back. That's like double any other running back on the open market right now, what they're getting. So uh, that's just – it's a ton of money. I get he's that, that he's a big part of your offense. But I think if you're spe- telling me $14.5 million on someone like Le'Veon Bell or $14.5 million on someone maybe to add to that secondary that they could use, I'm going to go with the secondary help because I think they can piece together some offense in other ways. Don't necessarily need uh, Bell, uh, and especially with the injury risk of running back with how many carries and touches he had this past season. I don't know if I'd, I'd be a little wary of giving him that much money. Oh, I'd be real wary. I mean, that's honestly, that's why I would franchise him is he wants a long-term deal. But as the case was a year ago, his agent's going to say, well, the starting point is going to be what, like 28 million guaranteed or why would we sign it? Cause you're just going to franchise us the next two years. I can't give him that kind of money after beating the crap out of him for the last two years. I would franchise him, run him into the ground and send him on his way. Yeah, I think that is. I think that was the plan last year, and yeah, yeah, I could see that being the plan again this year. They just don't. The running back position in today's NFL is not worth 
investing a lot of guaranteed money in. We saw it with Adrian Peterson deal. We saw it with the Chris Johnson deal. Just by the end of it, you're sort of you're on the hook for money that you don't want to be paying to a running back almost always with when you're doing that. So I think, and especially with his play sort of slipping this past season, mm-hmm. I'd be just terrified to give him a sort of long term. Yeah, I've said I think that last year will be the apex of his career. And he was awesome. I mean, he's still a very good asset, a great player. But I didn't think he was quite as as explosive. I mean, I didn't think he was as hard to defend. So that's a, that's a hairy one, especially with Ben only probably being here a year or two. Yeah, and I, 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 they aren't in the best, you know, they don't have a ton of cap space. No. And they don't, uh, but they are a team that's built to, like they were this year, contend right now. They can they're, they have a Super Bowl window that extends, you know, as long as Ben Roethlisberger is going to be their quarterback for the next few years here. So you, you want to maximize it, but it's the old, you know, where do are where our best use of our, you know, cap space? Where could it best be used? And I don't know, they'll have to decide that. Two other franchise situations I wanted to bring up, and I could see going either way on, but I was told before the season started that Jacksonville had every intention of franchising Allen Robinson. That was pre-injury. Mm-hmm. That one's interesting. I just I can't see with how the offense operated without him. You know, not really. I don't, say, I don't want to say they didn't miss him, but it still operated at a better level than they did in 2016 without him. And when that's the case, it's always like, do we invest in this position that maybe it's not going to pay these immediate returns on? Uh, so I don't think he ends up getting franchise tagged when it's all said and done, especially after the ACL injury. I think they'll let uh, the open market decide. He might end up taking a short-term deal because people are going to be wary of him coming off an ACL, a sort of prove-it deal to then get that big money. So we'll uh, see. I, I, if you're Allen Robinson, I think you want to go to a place with just a little better quarterback at this point. Yeah, I hear you. I, I just could see Jacksonville kind of like the Steelers saying, we're close. We know what we have. He's fully recovered. We love him. We want to franchise him. We have some, you know, not a ton of money. Um, I, I, I think that's an interesting one. And the last one is the Rams. I mean, there's been talk that it could be Tremaine Johnson. It could be Sammy Watkins. Frankly, I don't think either one's worth it, but they're a contender as well. They, they franchised Johnson in the past. Um, I think there's a case to be made, at least, or a conversation. Who is that? Sorry, I didn't catch the... The Rams, Tremaine Johnson okay. or Watkins. Well, Tremaine Johnson's price tag at this point, after franchising him back-to-back years, is going to be insane. Crazy. So I, I don't think that a third franchise tag for him is even in the realm of possibility with how good he is. It's just, you're literally overpaying. Like, he's not going to get nearly that much on the open market, I still don't think. Watkins is a little bit of a candidate, but again, it's like that offense, without him, I, I don't think misses too much. of Like, they didn't utilize him in a number one receiver role enough to warrant how much money the franchise take would be, you know, $16 million this upcoming season, even if they have the space to do it. So I don't see that. I think both of the, they let either both of them walk or at least try to extend one of them prior to uh, letting them hit free agency. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. Um, we will be back in a moment here. I'm going to take a quick little break and we will talk a little bit of draft with you. All right. You, before we went on the air here, you had mentioned that you're starting to dig into this defensive tackle class, and curious what your initial thoughts are, and you've started to watch the the guys at the top, right? 
Yeah, I've watched a handful of guys at the top. I'm working on for PFF this season. We're doing, we're breaking it up between me, Steve, and Sam. I'm doing the D line and O line this year. All the guys. Hmm. So I've been working my way through a, a good chunk of the defensive line class, and I think there's really only one guy I really love so far after watching, and it's Maurice Hurst, the Michigan defensive tackle. From what I know, you've watched more of them than I have, but I'm starting to dig in the draft myself. So, highly productive, um, a little undersized, probably a lot of technique versatility as to where he can line up. And the thing that I'm hearing and seeing with him that is really exciting is probably day one, you can just plug him in and he'll at least give you some interior pass rush. And we know how valuable that is. Yes, and that, and that's my biggest thing, the biggest sort of overarching thing I look for, at least in defensive tackles, is the fact that it is 2018. If I'm going to draft a defensive tackle in the first two rounds, he better be able to rush the passer and rush the passer at a fairly high level because I can find a guy to stop the run the fourth round. I, you know, I can find sure. a guy and coach a guy up to stop the run in the fourth and fifth round. That's not terribly valuable to me in the NFL. I want a guy who can get after the pass around a third down even if he may not be consistently the best run defender or you know a guy I, I don't terribly feel comfortable putting in run defense I need that pass rush like I said it's 2018 that's what wins you game so to me he is head and shoulders above you know Vita Vey, Deron Payne in terms of what he can do as a pass rusher and so that's why I would uh I would take him ahead of those guys Dep- obviously depending on what kind of scheme I run but I sure. think he's Everyone has a need for that sort of three-tech position in the NFL nowadays. How would you – I know Jonathan Allen didn't test well, end up going the first round to Washington. How would you compare Hurst and Allen? They're both sort of the same size, production. They're very different stylistically. Allen was uh, obviously – I think he was better against the run in terms of more technically sound. Mm-hmm. And one in a much different way as a pass rusher. He won – with a little more power and a lot more with his hands. Hurst wins with his first step and with basically you know, that burst and explosiveness that is what makes him so special. So they're very different in that sense. But I think in terms of overall valuation, where I'd grade them out as, I'd, I'd have them in a similar vein. In ter- and I think they were both uh, top 10 sort of talents. Okay, that makes sense. And asked to do different things, too. That Bama system's more you know, mm-hmm. two-gapping and slower. You mentioned Vita Vey. The obvious comparison with him is Haloti Nada, a huge human being that runs extremely well. But you mentioned also, I mean, is he just an is he just a plugger, or can he give you some push? I mean, what do you think about him? Yeah, I just worry about Faye because like you mentioned there's not a lot of 340 pounds human beings in the NFL that have been consistent pass rushers. It's just it comes and goes with guys like that and it's especially worrisome when he only played around 400 snaps this past season. He was not even close to a full-time player, never was at Washington, and he still had some reps where it was, you know, he wasn't necessarily given 100%. His motor was still running hot and cold at times, which that's worrying. That worries me when you get to the NFL. You better, if I'm drafting, like I said, a defensive tackle, he better be able to play 600, 700 snaps. If I'm drafting him in the first round, if he's, if I'm limiting a guy to 500 snaps, just not recouping that value, even if he is pretty effective on those snaps. So that's probably the most worrisome thing to me. But on tape, he can do things that a lot of almost no 340 pounders can do, and that's why he's getting that first round hype. So I see it. I just am a little. I have reservations about drafting him highly and expecting him to be this, you know, plug and play, uh, you know, eight hundred snap guy. Yeah, and that makes sense. And 
know, Don Terry Poe's the guy that comes to mind to play a ton of snaps in those kind of uh, dimensions, but they're few and far between, and if he's sitting on the sideline with his helmet in his hand, then he's not worth the first-round pick. Um, you had mentioned Deron Payne from Alabama. From what I've seen and learned about him, I'm not overwhelmed at all. No, I'm surprised. He sort of reminds me of, uh, gosh, who was the, I'm blanking on his name, Ashawn Robinson, uh, yeah, yeah, a few yeah. years back who is getting this first-round hype, but it's like I, I don't really – the athleticism and the sort of traits don't match. Uh, and, you know, some of the production is there, but it's like I, I just don't see this f- sort of uh, NFL athlete that I'm going to draft you know, top of the first round, which is what some of the hype he's getting. He's obviously very well coached. Everyone at Alabama on that defensive line is very well coached. Uses his hands extremely well. Like I said, he's just not rarely has reps as a pass rusher that you go, wow, where rarely, you know, flashes this high level power that I'd like to see out of a nose tackle that Vita Vey flashes at times. He doesn't necessarily do that. So I'm just kind of underwhelmed on pain. I think he's a solid NFL player, but that's not to me uh, a first rounder, much like I thought about Ashawn Robinson. I thought second round was even a little high for Ashawn, and I think he's proven to be he's just a just sort of a guy in the NFL yeah and Reed is sort of like that in Seattle you know like it's interesting because Bama can get when I was at Pitt the hardest thing in the world to get is stud defensive tackles there's just not many body types in the world that can move Mm -hmm. like these guys and Bama gets anyone they want you know as they should and they produce pros there but none of them are like wow this guy's a superstar they're all sort of system-ish and kind of the same in a way even though there's some different body types Yeah, I think uh, Jonathan Allen was probably the best in recent memory, Mm -hmm. and he was still just, still not anything, you know, special in his first year as a rookie. Obviously, he got hurt, but I I think he was, is going to be the best one, but again, not like anything that's not all world, no, like, elite sort of, like the Fletcher Coxes of the world, the Dominican Sioux, nothing like that. One defensive tackle, I don't know if you've watched him or not, you didn't mention him, that I'm really intrigued with is Andrew Brown from Virginia, and have you watched him? I have not. Okay. I, I just wanted to throw him out there, and I suggest that you you get to him sooner than later. But he was one of the absolutely highest recruited guys coming out of, out of high school. And you just look at him on the hoof and the way he moves, and you can see that. But he went to Virginia where he was asked to be Aaron Smith. You know, he was just a two-gapping guy and didn't put up numbers. His tape isn't all that great, but when I saw him at the Senior Bowl – and started looking into him, I'm like, man, these position coaches are going to be salivating over this guy. I bet he lights up the combine, too. That I just wanted to keep you know the people out there aware of him, and I suggest you check him out sooner than later. I think he's going to be a much better pro than collegiate. All right, yeah, I'll have to do that because he did grade out well. He graded out oh, better at the Senior Bowl than he did uh, in at Virginia in terms of the season. Yeah, that could make sense. I mean, he was asked to do different things, and I remember his interviews at the Senior Bowl, he's like, Wow, this is great! I can just explode off the ball and get a field. Like, he's never been asked to do those things. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm curious what you think of him. Maybe we'll talk about him down the road. So you're going to be in charge of all the big men then for Pro Football Focus, right? Yeah, I'll be the O and D lineman. I'll be scouting those guys over the next few months, including the edge guys, I assume. You know, yeah, edge but... guys as well. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. As always, we'll be talking about them in the next coming weeks. I'm sure. Sounds good. Have a good one, Matt. All right, man. Take care.